Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 463. And I'm joined this week by Laura Whitmore. And as you'll hear, this was the perfect podcast situation as such. Now podcasts are big. I'm sure you'll know there's a lot of like agents pushing people towards podcasts, pitching guests, or if you want a guest, you've got to go through agents, all this kind of thing. And I've spoken before about some of the amazing guests I've come so close to recording with, and then it's fallen through last minute. Well, this one, I put out the episode a few weeks back with Laura's hubby, Ian Sterling, amazing episode. And Laura posted about it or just tweeted or Instagrammed or something to say they enjoyed it. And when we DM, they mentioned being a fan of the podcast. And I was like, well, I'm a fan of you. I'd love to have you on. And within, I think, three days, (laughs) within three days, we were on Zoom recording and it was an absolute joy. Laura's story is amazing. Like I didn't know half of it. I started learning a, a, a lot of it in the research and prep, and then I learned a whole lot more in just the conversations. I think you're going to really enjoy this one, so I'm not going to ramble on too much. Um, as ever, we're brought to you by Speech Development, com, and um, you can get all, the, all my merch there, particularly as the sun's coming out. We've got our regularly selling out we may not be for you and that's fine sunglasses and we've got swimwear man how mad's that we've got swimwear we got t-shirts vests all sorts of good goods so head over there for that we talked towards the end of this chat a little bit about twitch i'm over at twitch.tv forward slash scrubius pipio there's loads of wondrous enjoyable stuff there particularly tpi fridays it's the only one i really mention on the podcast because it's all the rest of the streams in the week, it depends if you're into gaming, if you're into this game or that game. But TPI F- F- Fridays is a show I do on Twitch every Friday. Originally, it was always going to be at half seven, but I've been moving them forward to half six, s- seven o'clock, all sorts. And it's just a really good Friday night entertainment choice, I promise you. So um, even if you're not into gaming, jump over to twitch.tv forward slash scrubius or download the twitch app and find me and there's all that goodness there and then patreon.com forward slash scrubius pip is where you can support the podcast for like a dollar or two a month and it's just a nice way to help us keep the lights turned on that's everything we me and laura have a good chat about um her new book about her podcast in fact since we recorded this laura and ian have released a new podcast, Partners in Crime. So I don't think we touched upon that, or maybe we did. And it's it's a a, a true crime podcast. So, so yeah, check that out as well. There's loads of good stuff to check out. A uh, check out. I thoroughly recommend all of it. Um, but for now, this is episode 463 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Laura Whitmore. And we'll jump in. Right, I'm joined today by Laura Whitmore. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We were just saying how easy this was to set up. We literally spoke t- two days ago. 
ex- expressed a fandom of each other and said, are you about Friday? Like, yeah, yeah, all right, let's chat. If only everything else in life was so easy. It's so easy, isn't it? But but how are you? How's your week going? Um, I know you're, you're back and forth yeah. on planes a lot at the moment. How's that going? How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, you feel a little bit discombobulated sometimes. Um, I'm in London at the moment, although I was just in Mallorca. Um, yep. And I'm in a very quiet house because this house is normally, it's just me in the house at the moment, which is a bit surreal. Yeah. How's that? I mean, you, you're child free for a few days. Um, yeah. What's the, the, the balance of, of relaxation heaven and anxiety hell at the moment? How are you? How are you doing? This is the longest I've ever been away from her. So um, right. it's, yeah, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm also back to work. So as soon as I'm done working, I'm going to fly back out again. So yeah. I'm actually I'm in rehearsals later on because I filmed the, it's always really confusing. Cause I get confused. So uh, people are like, why are you in London? Aren't you in Spain? But we do a studio show once a week that's in London. Obviously the villa's in Spain, hence the back and forth. Of course. But uh, yeah, as soon as I'm done here, I'll be back out there again. If I could stay there, that would be lovely. Yeah, I mean, sh- surely they could knock up a studio in, in Yeah, but Spain then they'd have to, to bring make... the crew out, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's valid. Easier to fly you back and forth. Yeah, but think of the air miles. Yeah, yeah, it all adds up. Well, I, I mean, I feel comfortable asking you the kind of question of how you're finding j- juggling parenthood and career because I literally asked your husband this a few weeks ago, so it's not some awful so what's it like being a woman type <laughs> type interview question but but how are you finding it all because you you are both in entertainment entertainment is an industry where it kind of refuses to, to, to acknowledge that people mm. have their own lives at times it's mm. like here's mm-hmm. the schedule here's what has to happen so yeah, yeah like how are you finding it all the juggle is real yeah it's real and actually one good point that you guys talked about which i i loved it it feels very unique to you you feel like the only person going through this but Mm -hmm. i know anyone who's a parent goes through that juggle whatever it be um one of my really good friends actually who i I met up with yesterday who works in the industry and she has a child she hasn't gone back to work yet and she it's it's funny because everyone's jealous of someone else she's Mm. jealous of me back to work and i'm jealous of her just at home in one place yeah yeah so it always looks easier from the other side, but you do what you love. And I'm very blessed that I'm in a situation where I know if when I started out in MTV 10 years ago, which I loved and was a brilliant opportunity. But can you imagine if I was like, I've got a child I want to bring with me? Yeah. It, it might be a little bit different. Well, I feel very lucky that I'm at a stage in my career where I can say for whatever job job I do, I continued radio when I was pregnant and yeah. after I had the child, the child, it sounds like, it sounds like baby Yoda, the child. <laughs> Once I had the child. <laughs> that I could do it from home where yeah. I think when I started out in the industry, it wouldn't be as easy. It's mad, isn't it? When you realise that you're allowed to ask for stuff. I know that's, that's a, that yeah. sounds like a weird yeah. thing, but I think in, in all of these industries, I've always found, I, I'd feel so self-conscious or if I'm being a diva or whatever else to ask for the bare minimum of of things and it'll be a tiny thing and as soon as you ask and you realize it's not a problem at all you're like why have I not asked this before why is this been in my own head don't we what other people think I'm the same no one wants you no one wants to call you you know you don't want to be called difficult and you don't want to be perceived as this diva so sometimes you just yeah you you just like sit like if you ask you don't get um I actually talked to another friend of mine about this to do with her job she's not in the industry but she really 
was finding it hard with her job and how much money she was earning. Like yeah. just kind of meet, get, you know, getting ends to meet and paying her rent and doing doing all these things. And I just said, ask ask your boss for more money. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get. And she asked and she got. And then I was like, oh, I need to take that advice as well sometimes. It's easier to give it out. So it's important to to ask for things within reason. But if you don't ask, you don't get. A hundred percent. Well, there's loads I want to t- I t- I talk to you about. I want to talk yeah. about your book. I want to talk about your podcast. Of course, I want to talk more about Love Island and all, all the TV stuff. But before we get to that, I kind of want to rewind back because you were born in Dublin but grew, grew up in Bray, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, big up Bray. How was that? Because everyone, everyone, all of my Irish mates who live in Galway and Limerick and Cork yeah. and all these places always hate on Dublin. Because it's the big city. So I'd imagine most people from Bray would hate on Dublin, but being b- born there and then going out there. It's, do you know what though? Bray's kind of Dublin. I shouldn't it's pretty say much it's Dublin, right? So it's yeah. like, it's on the border. So sometimes I'll tell people I'm from Dublin, but then the true Bray folk are like, that's actually County Wicklow. So yeah. um, my dad lives in Dublin. My parents aren't together and um, they weren't together right. when I was born. So my dad's in Dublin. I was born in Dublin, but like, that's because the hospital's in Dublin. Yeah. Um, but I grew up <laughs> by Bray, which is practically Dublin, but it's not. It's County yeah. Wicklow. So I'm very making sure I say that. But um, it was lovely. It was lovely. It's a. I always feel quite fortunate for the most part that I remember having a nice time, yeah. considering that I was probably at that stage, the in the 80s, I think I was the only person in my class whose parents weren't together. Right. Well, nowadays, I feel like no one's parents are probably together. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a, t- a taboo the other way. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? Your parents are still married? <laughs> yeah. You don't get to have two birthdays? What, what, <laughs> I know, use it for on? your advantage. Yeah. I, I was so lucky. Like, my dad used to take me out every Wednesday and he used to bring me, like, he didn't know what to do with a child. So he used to bring me for, like, Indian and stuff. And, like, I was the only person, like, in the early 90s of, like, age six or seven going for a vindaloo. <laughs> like, I had, my taste buds were, like, just given this great sense of all these different options that you could have that, like, most other kids were having fish and chips at home. Yeah. Do you think that was a good a good situation? Because, it, again, I've always loved, like, the small town I live in now is the town yeah. I grew up in. And... It's a little town out the way a bit, so it's nice and quiet. But but it's near London. It's easy yeah. to get into all that yeah. stuff that yeah. that that you do need and you do want as well. Yeah. But you're not b- in it, b- buried in it as, as such. So was was that yeah. the case in 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 Bray? Getting to be in a beautiful little Irish kind yeah. of place, and then but yeah right near Dublin to jump it's, in. Yeah, it's it was quite a big it's quite a big town, but yeah, I was by yeah. the sea and I think I only oh, when wonderful. I moved to London I realized how much I miss living by the sea and the fresh air. Yeah. You don't realize when you're in London, it's only when I go back home I'm like, "Oh, this is what fresh air is." Yeah. I remember yeah. when I remember yeah. when I first moved to London, I used to get the I used to either walk the canal to Camden where MTV Studios were, or I jump mm-hmm. on the tube. And I remember yeah. one day getting off the tube, thinking, "Oh my god, I think I've got a tan." And I realised it was just a layer of dirt. Wow! From, yeah, <laughs> from the tube. Yeah. So I I miss the freshness and the clean. Yeah, and and also I always my brother lived in Wales for for a while, and it wasn't until I started visiting him there that I got to really experience darkness. 
Because London, it's just always quite bright. Right. There's always a bit of a glow. When you said and darkness initially, I thought that it was like something no, real. Not, darkness. No, it's not scary. It's something yeah, from yeah, Stranger yeah. Things. Like a, there was like another world. But, but, but I always remember that from Touring Ireland as as well. Is like in in a lot of like you live your Manchester's, your Liverpool's, your wherever else. You 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 get in back to your hotel room you're not going to get much sleep because there's going to be brightness still there's going to be yeah. noise and then we'd tour island and we'd have the best gigs ever yeah but then we'd l- l- literally always be staying like even 20 minutes out of this out of the city center and you're just in absolute peace it's like yeah this is this is i ideal. think it's important to have that balance as well and maybe it's yeah. a sign of like me getting older or maybe it's you know, off the back of two years of lockdown mm-hmm. but i definitely have a more longing for no home like I spent so much of my early career traveling yeah from working at different music festivals I remember like first meeting you at Dan Lassac when you were like performing at a festival and amazing and like this is like back 10 years ago and I remember just always being on a plane and I loved it and then I go to LA for the MTV awards and I'd always be on the go and it was bright lights and then that kind of stopped two years ago I was still lucky to get to do some work but I was always like on a plane to Australia for I'm a Celeb or I worked in Survival of the Fittest in South Africa. But I do like home now. Like yeah. I like home. Yeah. I don't know if that means I'm old or what's happened, but I quite I don't like know. home. I think it's the, the there is that advantage of, I, like, I think tr- travel is really important. Yeah. Like despite the fact I never take holidays and all this coming, I think that's partly because. You I've like got your job to, as well. I've got you to like tour the world. Yeah, yeah, I've got to yeah. tour the world in music and yeah. acting and all these things. Yeah. And I think it's particularly coming from small towns. I come from the kind of small town that, like, when, who was it? The guy who was in charge of, of, of the BMP for a bit, when he kind of went, he hid away because he'd got egged. The first place he did an appearance was my, like, local area because it's that kind of small-minded Yeah, people <laughs> haven't gone anywhere and they, and I think I'm really lucky that, Although I've lived here my whole life, I've got to travel. I've got to see other cultures, other people, and not get dragged into that small mindedness and the fucking the Brexit mentality of of everyone's against us and all this nonsense. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's easy to fall into that. I'm not, even though I'm completely against them, I'm not even hating on them. I understand how that kind of mentality is is bred. But yeah. I think it is important to to tra- travel and see the world a bit. Yeah. And then <laughs> you do kind of go, and then right, go back. I've, I've done that now. <laughs> I'm now happy to be at home. And yeah. I've you seen see, I've seen enough of the world. I've you got, see, I've the got world, Google for the rest. You're like, yeah. world, don't add anything else new to it because I've seen <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. I've been there. I've I've looked around. Well, I mean, what was your world outlook growing up in Ireland? Because one of the things I love about Ireland is particularly for a long time, there seemed to be so much culture, mm. like t- 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 TV, yeah. music, all sorts of things, created in Ireland for the Irish. Like a lot of great Irish t- t- TV shows. Irish people love Irish people. Like Irish, lo- yeah. Irish people love being Irish. Yeah, I mean, I, I always rave about Love Hate because I think it's one of the best TV oh, shows ever. You but and my mother it- love Love Hate. My mum brings Love Hate. It's- it's every it's, conversation. It seems to go nowhere other than Ireland. And there's, there's yeah. so many things like that. And I always remember the first time doing, doing RTE and having not particularly heard of it. And then it being like the BBC. It was a huge deal. It was a proper thing. So, yeah, how was that a, 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 a growing up in Ireland? Were you always looking 
out to the wider world or were you just kind of I I definitely was looking to the wider world because Ireland is very small and like I didn't get a job in Ireland like my first television job was outside of Ireland yeah I mean I would have loved to have got a job in Ireland but I was working in a radio station because my background was journalism I did an internship at a news station for a summer um, and then they made me permanent but I was like you know the way like there's obviously all the different stages you can be in mm-hmm. and <laughs> in a in a job and I was like down here I was yeah. like the lowest of the low I was making the tea or if someone had to go and ask for a number off the other room it's so funny because yeah. we worked on the same station but each mm-hmm. show was quite competitive and they're like you go into the sports room and try and get this person's number and I'm like right. they sent they used to send me in so I was not having the most glamorous lifestyle, but but it was really interesting, and I feel like it was a really important place to graft the the place you want to be, but the role you don't want to be the made role permanent. You don't want to have. It's like, I don't want this is you... permanent. This is yeah. no no no. This is meant to be a temporary. I want to be here permanently, but yeah yeah. So like my my first like television job, it was mad. Like I went from that to then winning a competition to be like the face of MTV. Yeah. My first day of the job interviewing Coldplay in LA like it was so, like I was so inexperienced it was ridiculous but I was How so was naive that? tell was... me a little bit about pick me MTV because yeah. I remember I think it was around that that similar time I think it was a bit before that yeah I was asked to kind of audition as a as a as a as a, a, a presenter I've no idea why I'm sure I was with someone like Joel Domit or someone. I'm sure it wasn't yeah. actually Joel, but it was someone along those lines because it was before they well, were Joel who they on, were. Joel did MTV, yeah. Yeah, and it was yeah. it was me. There was a load of guys and a load of girls and they'd just pair you up and you'd have mm. to do kind of imaginary interviews. I remember really clearly, again, number one thinking, why am I even here? They, like, this isn't... I don't know why I've been picked. I don't know why I'm yeah. even being seen. But, but, but I remember clearly the reason I 100% did not get it and was not right for it because me and whoever I was paired up with, we had to pretend that we were interviewing Vivi Brown, who was huge at the time. So was there someone there pretending to be Vivi or... Were you I just imagine an imaginary I, I can't remember. person? I think, yeah, I think it was more just an imaginary person okay. you do an imaginary interview. And I remember improvising a question <laughs> that brought up and sh- 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 shamed the history of domestic abuse of James Brown, Chris Brown and Bobby Brown. Obviously, none of them are anything to do with Evie Brown, but it was it was, <laughs> it was making something. And it's like, that's not the kind of lighthearted thing you should be <laughs> bringing up in a in a pop interview. So what was you, your process in that? Again, I was like 22, 23. So I said there I was naive. There's a naivety and um, an enthusiasm that sometimes as you get older, life beats out of you. Yeah. And I do, I, I know I talk a lot about the importance of remembering your playfulness. Yeah. And sometimes we get a little bit too serious as we get older. So I think... I entered that competition not thinking I was going to win it. I entered that competition to try and get an email address so I could get work experience at MTV. Because like I know, to- like it. I don't know anyone who works in this industry. Yeah. My dad worked in finance. My mom's a civil servant. My best friends from school were doctors and physio, and met- they all went down the kind of medicine route. Yeah. So I was like the odd one out. So I was like, if I can just get an email address, so I kind of went in there with nothing to lose, really, because I'm yeah. like, I'll get an email address. Yeah, so I love that. that I love that too, and I kind of have to remember I've got someone to, to chase up afterwards. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? that's yeah. it. I said, oh, I've got an email address. I'll save it. I'll save it. Yeah. So that was why. So there was never really any pressure, even though it was a competition. It was filmed, and I didn't realize at the time when I entered it that it was filmed. 
And I remember, I didn't know there was going to be judges. I, I was so naive. Like, and I also, yeah. I got my Ryanair flight myself to fly over because I, I got down to the last few from a tape I'd sent in. Or I say last few, last like few thousand, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I went in and queued in Camden. And I, I stayed in a, this guest house. I thought it was a hotel in King's Cross. It was not really a hotel. Amazing. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just went along. And then I went there and it was like, Trevor Nelson and Emma Willis and Alicia Dixon were judges. And, wow. And I was like, oh. So I just thought it was really fun. Yeah. I thought it was like fun. And again, not thinking I was going to win, thinking I was going to get an email address. And then you get there and then you start queuing up and you start realizing there's like all these guys and girls like really tall from different countries. I, yeah. I have an Irish accent. There was a lot of people with English accents there. And obviously it's a, a British network. And I was just kind of going oh am I a little bit like oh like a lot of people were like coming from model modeling and uh, then you kind of start doubting yourself in the queue a little bit yeah but then as soon as I went in I just was Laura and I just because it was just chat again I think I had to talk to someone I had to interview someone imaginary too yeah and then we had to use props it was silly it was silly and fun so I just thought it was ah you know we'll get that email address that that really that really was it so every time I get through to the next round I remember like ringing up my dad and being like I'm through to the next round this is hilarious <laughs> by the way can I borrow some money for another night in the hotel <laughs> yeah yeah I love that well I, I mean how was that kind of arriving in London for something I, I, I like that because I always think MTV I'm not sure if their studios are there still I assume they are still but they're there studios, but it's not like the old days their studios in Camden it, it really Iconic. you're you're really getting a we're in the in London. We're in in the in the music scene and all that. Because as you arrive there, it's so it's like it's like the films as such kind of thing. So I felt like I was in a film, I yeah. guess, in some way. Yeah. yeah, you just kind of arrive. These people that you recognise from telly are there. You walk into a room and you have like, do I, I, you know what I saw as well? I saw a lot of people who were like, all, like I was. I'm sometimes I can be quite quiet. Like for my job, I'm quite chatty, but I can be quiet in some places. Yeah. Like in my family, in my wider family, and. Like my mom is the youngest of 13. I have so many cousins wow. and I'm probably the quietest at family yeah. things. Yeah. Um, so I'd be, you know, waiting to go in. I wouldn't necessarily be the loudest. And sometimes the loudest person when you'd go in to be filmed would freeze. Yeah. And then that's when I kind of come into my own. So I, I trusted myself to, to talk and to fill space if I yeah. had to. But also, and you know this, um, what you do and you do so well like you, you listen if you're interviewing someone you listen and for all my jobs I learned quite quickly that it's not about the presenter most of the time yeah, it's about the person completely. you're talking to so how was it to get that whirlwind of a <laughs> you're there for an email address you've got a career yeah. and then you are you're interviewing Coldplay and these and these yeah. huge acts did it ever get intimidating or did you manage to keep that kind of well here we are <laughs> It just happened so fast, honestly, that I remember it was a year later and I'm living in London and trying to make a new friendship base because that's so important to have as well. Obviously, yeah. my family are in Ireland, uh, my friends from home are off, you know, being a doctor. Yeah. Um, and a girl said to me in MTV, God, like what you did last year, like that's quite nerve wracking, like moving over to a new country, getting this job that must have been really scary and I it was the first time I ever thought about it I was like oh I just didn't have time to think about it because you know you're being flown to different festivals and you're yeah. interviewing people and it's that element of faking it till you make it you're kind of pretending you're knowing what you're doing and then a year later when you realize you didn't really know you can't you know because you've had that year of experience yeah I sometimes I, like even now 
I do look back at Laura 23 and I try to take a little bit of that back because that was quite nice. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say exactly that because what you were saying earlier about us getting more kind of grounded or, or, or c- c- cynical as, or, or whatever cynical, yeah. the longer you're in any industry or on this weird little planet there's so many people I talk to where you look back at this or like oh that's a really brave move yeah. it's like I didn't, I didn't think about it I probably wouldn't have done it I probably wouldn't do it now I'd probably overthink it I get it all the time with things because I've got a stammer I'd got like when I got um a presenting a job on XFM mm. I had all these interviews come in saying like this is a huge thing this is the first a, pr- a, pr- a presenter on mm-hmm. kind of commercial radio that's got a stammer and I was like I didn't think about that at all. I literally, a mate of mine was asking if I wanted to, uh, to yeah. do it and we came up with an idea and pitched it. I didn't sit there thinking, this is a big step for people with stammers all yeah, over the world. It's like, you're, no, you're the voice of, all, of so yeah, many exactly. people and you're like, I didn't I yeah. didn't take on that responsibility in that role. The, the, the pressure's kind of added afterwards. You're like, yeah. whoa, 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 no, this was just, all right, I'll do a radio sh- show, I guess. Like, yeah. that sounds like fun. And again, I can completely s- s- see that, that you're like... I came for an email address. Oh, cool. This is continuing on. Yeah. Ah, I'll move over. I'll give it a try. Yeah. I'm, I'm young. I may as well. Like, it's nothing else going seems on. Crazy at that time. not to. I was like, it was either that or continue in the radio station where I'm just being sent into different rooms to ask for numbers and make me yeah. tea. So I went from that to interviewing, as I said, Coldplay, <laughs> yeah. doing the Empire Film Awards. Matt Damon was, I think, one of the people I did interview for the competition. And it was just, it was mad. And I just thought then that that was normal. <laughs> It's like, yeah. oh, you enter a competition and you get the job and then that's it then. So, yeah, was a film. You've kind of made it your normal a, a little bit because you've then kind of just gone, all right, biggest show in TV, I'm a celebrity. Oh, I'll go and I'll, I'll go and do that for a bit. Like, and then on to, love again. Them. I'll work yeah. with them. Yeah, exactly. So how was that to kind of go from your MTVs to your, yeah. your big uh, Saturday night TV kind of thing? That was lovely. Uh, again, I was just still on that roller coaster. I hadn't really stopped. There was always something new, and because yeah. I, I had no agent. Like I got this MTV contract with no agent. I mean, Amazing. I would have done the job for free, which yeah. I pretty yeah. much did. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. I, and then then you get an agent, and you get a little bit of. It, it was actually a nice way to get other jobs because I always think when you get one job, it's probably easier to get other jobs. Like anything, yeah. whether you're acting or musician. I had the, exactly the same on the agent front. I got my first couple of acting roles off my own back. And that's, and then, I feel really lucky because I now have people ask how you get into this industry. It's like, well, you need an agent, hustle. but how do you get an agent? And it's like, well, yeah, I've done a couple of things. So, yeah, that yeah. meant there was the appeal there. So, yeah. You have to kind of make your make your own platform. And then from that, yeah, you can continue on. So I, I remember being asked to audition. Actually, I got initially, they normally have a panel on like the after show over in Australia Yes. And they put me up to be a guest on that. Right. And then I didn't get it. <laughs> right. And then the following year, I ended up hosting the whole show. I love it. So I always feel when something doesn't happen, there's a bigger reason. Yeah. And I remember going to do a screen test. And it was weird. They did the screen test in the in the This Morning Studios. Do you know the sofa? Right. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I was yeah, just even like, I was like, I'm sitting on the sofa from This Morning. Yeah. And I remember getting the call from my agent saying, how do you feel about spending six weeks in Australia. I'd never been to Australia before, but I'd never mm. been to LA before. My first job was with Coldplay and they're like, yeah. I was like, I've never been to Australia, so I might as well go with work. And I grew up watching Ant and Deck. Like I grew up watching Ant Deck, Cat Dealey on a Saturday morning, CD UK, yeah. SMTV. So I yeah. thought the natural thing would be to do a job with them next then, because that's what you do in telly. 
amazing. I love that. I love that you kind of, you move to London and then you're doing the, oh, well, I've gone here. Now let's go yeah. and do LA. Let's go and do that's, go and Australia. Do. Let's, let's jump onto the next ones. I'm so naive though. I was so naive. I love it though. But how, how, how was it then to, did you feel any change in your own kind of profile and life? Because there is a weird thing with that kind of TV. Mm. It feels almost as like with, I don't know, I don't know how to, uh, to put it like, yeah. uh, with a podcast for example people are choosing uh, to yeah. listen to your podcast yeah. they're electing yeah. to come into your world you're pushing yourself on them in their tv screens with something like i'm a celebrity you're in their living room you know although again it's their fucking choice still but still I you're know. then i'm always surprised by people who complain about like someone on television I'm like just don't watch it if you turn don't want over. to yeah just it's really over. easy there's yeah. loads of channels now yeah but yeah, you are suddenly in millions of people's living rooms. Again, yeah. as you say, alongside national treasures yeah. in Anton Deck. How was that? And did you feel any change in in how you had to take things on and, mm. you know, experience that, your new public profile, I guess? I'm lucky that it kind of happened slowly. Like when I started yeah. MTV, no one really cared a lot. Right, Twitter yeah. didn't exist. Yeah. So I didn't have people telling me if I they thought I was shit. Like it was yeah. lovely. I could I yeah. could be shit in in <laughs> in my own little Super world. Times, never man, people can th- think you're shit to their friends in their living room I mean? and no great. one else ever needs to know. And I learned I learned by doing. Like I look back at old stuff and I'm like, I had a clue what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't really know interviewing skills and, you know, I learned how to read the autocue. I learned talk back in my ear. I learned by doing, yeah. um, which is the best way to learn. And I also learned to do in a time when you didn't have this social media pressure to be good instantly. You had mm-hmm. space to grow. Yeah. So I had space to grow and I every, I worked I worked a Monday to Friday job. I had had yeah. a desk. I was a presenter. Amazing. I had a desk at MTV. We used to go for drinks on a Friday to the lock. We used to like. I was very very lucky in ha- in that time. I also got to see the other side. Like I I interviewed Katy Perry before I kissed a girl came out, mm-hmm. and then I you know I I interviewed. I think I was one of the first people to interview Ed before A Team came out and yeah. Ed Sheeran, and I got to see them get famous really quickly. Like yeah. and it's a whole other level of fame. Yeah. And I would see, I would see other people who maybe you know their private lives being being kind of torn apart. So that kind of made me from a very early stage when there was a little bit more interest and tabloid interest and being followed a little bit in pictures. I was very cautious because I had seen it happen to other people yeah. that I had interviewed over the years. Doing I'm a celebrity was lovely because I, I was in this bubble of living in Australia. So we were living in a different time zone. So I used to have to sleep during the day and work at night. So I do the show over there go back and have cocktails by the pool at 10 a.m. Because like that was nighttime to us. Yeah. Go to sleep at 2 p.m. And I never walked down the street and bumped in. It was, especially at that time, the show we did was really big. Yeah. And um, the after show, I would I didn't bump into people. Like I was living in this place, which was basically, it felt like like an old folks home because it was just like yeah. a bit older people by the sea. No one knew what I was doing. And we had a lovely time because I was in this little bubble and by the time I got home around Christmas, the kind of the height of I'm a Celeb had kind of died down and there'd be another show maybe coming on. So again, I had that safety. So I felt lucky that it all happened quite slowly over time, which, where now I think a lot of people get fame very, very quickly, yeah. um, especially on shows that I work on my, myself. I, you know, yeah. they can be go from nobody knows them. They walk into a villa, they come out of a villa and everybody knows them. It's a lot. And I, I can't really give any advice on that because I didn't have that experience. Mine was very slowly, but I did learn to protect myself 
as much as I can, which is why I'm sometimes a bit iffy about what I share and what I say, because I've just seen other people burned. Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, it all continued on on from that with Love Island. And again, it's interesting here because you, you seem to kind of, your career has been joining these already huge and successful shows. And there's a load of pressure on that, right? Yeah. Because there's, there's a previous presenter that everyone loved and mm. or you're joining Ant and Deck or whomever you're, you're, you're yeah. joining people or replacing people and that can cause a lot of of, of tension a lot of of social media kind of idiots and, <laughs> and 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 anger so how was it joining a love island and how's how's that been as a journey it's still something I'm working through myself yeah like privately I, I feel like this is my third series working on it the first series was very last minute and Caroline I've known for years she had worked on I'm a Celebrity beforehand I knew the team I knew her right, she had yeah. reached out and messaged me I know she was going through a lot privately I assumed it was going to be a similar situation to what Holly did for Ant on I'm a Celeb right. where he took a year out yeah, and that's what yeah, it was so then I was and I've worked with the team before. I've done live television. I felt honoured that they trusted me because it's a big show that gets a lot of media attention. That they trusted me at the helm of that because there was a lot of attention at that time. Yeah. Um. I had to also think about it from my own mental health side because I, I love the show. I love working on it, but it comes with a lot of shit. Yeah. So you kind of have to think, how much do I want to do this show? I can do it. I'm good at it. But it does come with all this but, but that happened so quick. So it was like, I'll do this series. We'll survive it. We'll get through it. Try and enjoy it too. You got to do yeah. things that are fun. Going back yeah. to that lore of 23. Like, yeah. remember those days, not overthink things. What does this mean if I do this? What will people think? Should I do it? Like, if I don't exactly. do it, like, and you kind of work through all that. And, and and also be like, Laura, you've put the time in. You've worked in this industry for over a decade. I'm trusted. You know, there's a reason why I've probably worked for continuously because... I work hard. I, I'll try and always be as professional as possible and remember yeah. to have fun too. So that that was it. And then obviously shit happens. Life's shit and mm. you can't expect it. And then, then it really was survival because you're trying to get to the end of a series, trying to deal with stuff privately. Yeah, of course. Um, but also keep everything together publicly as much as you can. And it's nothing prepares you for that. Nothing prepares you for that. And then, and then a pandemic hits and then it's just, you know, <laughs> it's like... Okay, life, what else do you want to throw at me? Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a mad and never-ending ride. Um, yeah. I guess, how do you find that side of I'm a Celebrity? Because there is always, it's one of the most adored shows, but it's also one that has some of the most backlash against it, against, against uh, 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 for various violent, reasons, yeah. I guess. So how do you find I that? side of everything it's do you know what with stuff with love violet it's just a bit exhausting sometimes because some of the stuff is just mental and also as a yeah. host like i it this is takes up not a huge amount of my time compared to my other work it's it's mm-hmm. over eight weeks it's the host only c- comes on three or four times it's always yeah. been the way but it gets the most attention and it's a bit exhausting because I, I and, and it's tough because I it's that bloody know, voiceover bloke that's there most of the time. That's the one that does it. Ian. I know it's, most of the time he's just sitting down on his bum drinking coffee on Twitch on his phone or something. You know what I mean? And you know it's hard. I've seen other women talked about online the way I've been talked about online. Mm-hmm. I saw when Caroline worked on the show what she got every year, yeah. every year, yeah. and I never knew how she handled it. I always thought, Jesus, she's so strong. 
and mm. people aren't as strong as you think they are. So it's scary when you kind of start, you get the exact same stuff that she got. Like, where is the presenter? They're never in there. Like, you know, and it's just like, yeah. it's every year, guys. Why yeah. is she flying back and forth? It's every year, guys. That's the thing. And I get some of it you have to take with a pinch of salt, but then some of it is a bit exhausting. Of course. And I'm very aware of not everyone gets talked about in the same way. It's very mm-hmm. specific people in this industry that get talked about that way. I yeah. think... I know I've been talked about a bit differently when I was single to then suddenly having a child that maybe, you know, my male co-presenters, like I was always talking about what I was wearing when I started working. I was like, Ricky and Melvin, they don't, no one's talking about what they're wearing or yeah. what, you know, they're not getting this or, yeah. you know, a red carpet. So who you're standing beside, what guy you might be talking to. And I had this constantly, constantly when I was single. Yeah. And then suddenly it doesn't really matter what the, like, I'm doing my job. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And I'm doing my job well. I'm being professional. I'm doing the job. I'm, be- I'm taking direction. I'm doing what I need to do. We're putting a show on, a successful show, whatever that show may be. When you're interviewing someone, the most important thing is, you know, you're directed, you want the soundbite, you want the soundbite, but you also want to put them at ease. And there's all this kind of balance as well. And depending on what show you're doing. So there's all these things you're always constantly thinking about. Meanwhile, the outside world will talk about how you look, what you're wearing, who you're dating. Do you have a child? Should you be doing this? And all these things are talked about constantly and you have to remove yourself or you'll yeah. just go crazy after a while. But I, I see my male counterparts not being talked about in the same way. Yeah. Um, and that's that's hard and unfair. Yeah, completely. I, I always remember that the one time I did a presenting job that had a director in your ear, yeah. it gave me a new respect for every <laughs> presenter ever because that shit's fucking... Again, it's something you obviously learn and, yeah. and, and and deal with, but that was the thing I found the hardest in the world. J- just chatting, easy. I'll do that all day. We'll go back and forth. We'll listen yeah. to all the things you've said, but that added pressure of someone in your ear telling Counting you to backwards. go here or do this <laughs> or do that, and you're like... I to, love it though. Do you know what I do? <laughs> I do love it. I love when you get the count backwards to. Right. I remember, and I, I learned live television. I really learned on I'm a yeah. Celeb, yeah. Uh, and also probably some of the the MTV awards when it was a live red carpet. But you'd hear it. It's exciting. You hear in your ear, like you're talking to someone. You'd hear ten, nine, eight, so, and you know you're going to go to an ad break. And you're like, okay, so you're wrapping up the conversation. You're wrapping up the conversation, and then you go to go to ad break, and then you hear, oh wait, stall two minutes, stall two minutes. You're like. Anyway, and I'm like, it keeps you on your toes. It's yeah, exciting. Yeah. There's like mad stuff happening that happens. The buzz and no of one when knows. you nail it, right? The, yeah, the, and then the when you hit when the you zero, and you're like, yeah, and we go. Yeah, I love that. Um, I actually find pre-record harder. I prefer yeah, live. Really? Yeah, because it feels more stilted and disjointed. Yeah. So, so I, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting because it's 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 a different world, right? And mm. and and how do you find that your podcast Castaway is mm. fantastic? As I was saying to you in our, our, our messages, uh, two or three times I've had a, a, a message from the producer because someone has picked my podcast yeah, as one of their, their castaway things. And it's always humbling. So I guess, how did it come about and what was what appealed to you about podcasting? As someone who I came from a newsroom and I love journalism and I love asking questions. Hmm. But when I first started you'd have like three minutes with somebody or you'd have two minutes with somebody. Yeah. And podcasting is like a different form of storytelling. And I think as Irish, like Irish people love a story. Yeah. And our stories are always longer than two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not very good at editing ourselves. They go on a bit. And I, I love podcasting as a platform and it can be about anything that's, you know, going from the type of stuff that you do and interviews that allow time and allow mm-hmm. space for the person to answer 
And also, I hate doing interviews with print because it's, everything is a headline or everything is like yeah. taken out of context. While here, the whole thing is here for people to listen to. And I think that's it's, really it's, important. It's the only thing that's annoyed me about the, the boom in podcasting. I love it. People the only thing that's annoyed me stuff. is there are more and more that either the press take stuff or this is me being a bit of a cynic here. Yeah. The people who are producing the podcast go, oh, we've got a good quote that is going to get, do you know what yeah, I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and the reality is, as you'll know from all forms of media you've done, the amount of people who read the quote versus the amount of people who then go and listen to the body of the podcast yeah. is a ridiculous ratio. It's why I've never done the kind of the the quotes thing or, oh, we've got this big thing. Because it's like, well, no, people will hear it in the podcast and that's yeah. in the context that the guest wanted that it to be, be and all of that kind of thing. It's a different world there, isn't yeah. it? And, and, I, and I love it. And it's such a big world podcasting and anyone can do it. Um, yeah. But obviously it's certain people that thrive in it and are the more successful ones. And it's through a fan base, a very unique fan base, like what you did as well. And like you've done radio and you know the difference between doing radio or doing a podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and it's your baby. You take control. You spend most, I work on, I, I kind of do a mixture of things. I work on shows where it's quite produced and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people involved and I don't have a lot of say. And then I can do things like radio or podcasting where it's it's more Laura. Well, that's what I was, as, as, when I was kind of uh, preparing this, it made me think of, in my music days, I, I loved having the variation of doing f- festival shows and yeah. then doing your own tours. Like yeah. By the time you get to the end of a tour and it's all venues, I'm itching to get in a field. And by the time you get to the end of the festival it's, season, you're itching venue. to have your own crowd and be yeah. in a venue. And it feels like you've kind of curated that for your career a bit. You've got these things that will be far more produced or live and have that pressure. Yeah. And then you've also got this stuff where you can just, right, let's just talk, let's take our time, let's enjoy it. And the balance feels like it might be a key part to keeping them them both enjoyable. Yeah, and to keeping keeping my sanity. And and I know, like, writing for me has always been really important. Normally it would be the short form. I always, like... Like I wrote a few features and articles for different publications mm-hmm. on issues that were important to me. In a t- like things that I've been asked about in interviews, but I never felt comfortable talking about interviews because it wasn't yeah. my space. I didn't feel protected. I felt like someone was trying to get a quote where yeah. I can talk about those issues in my own writing my way. And I find doing something like the book was really important to have my voice. Tell me a bit about the book because as this comes out, it will have j- j- just paperback come out on paperback. Yeah. It's a, a bestseller. It's been... W- yeah, they're wonderful. What was the book? How did it come about? Um, and tell us about it. I've always loved writing. And I've, yeah. as I said, I've always kind of written articles here and there. And about four years ago, I, ha- I mean, everyone has a book in them, you know, the quote. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I had ideas and I, I had been approached by um, a few publishers, but not to write the book I wanted to write. I have a lot of stories from people I've met, MTV days, places I've been to. and I didn't want it to be that book. But I also have a lot of experience in the industry and I've dealt with a lot of issues and topics that I felt could be talked about through anecdotes of things that I've gone through. But there's also that self-help side of things that I mm-hmm. stuff that I do personally so I can actually get through each day. Yeah. Um, so I had this idea. Things happen. Life gets busy. I definitely had the folder on my laptop of ideas that were constantly going in there, but nothing was being done with it. And then then lockdown happened. And yeah. I had time and 
I had talked to a few publishers and there was one particular publisher that was very up for me doing what I wanted to do. Because yeah. um, I don't know if you find this, there's a lot of people who think they know what you should do. <laughs> 100%. This is what you should do. And you probably have it with this as well. You should do this with the podcast. You should do this. Yeah. And you're like, it's my yeah. podcast. I know what I yeah. want to do with it. Yeah, Ex- exactly. And finding that right publisher or collaborator in any format that yeah. goes, right, let's make what you want to make. It's yeah. it's the classic thing of, again, of the music industry, of a record label will see an act that they think is exciting and wonderful and they'll sign them and then try and turn them into Lily Allen or whomever else has, has got big yeah. at that point. And it's like, the reason you wanted me was because of me. Why can't we continue to be me rather than go, yeah. now we've got you, we're going to try and turn you into that person. Mm. It's, yeah, yeah. it's but- typical. It, and I feel like it's it's like that a lot. But one good thing about getting older is, and maybe something I wouldn't have done when I was younger, is go, no, I don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. one good thing that's yeah. happened with age. 100%. I might have lost the naivety, but I'm really good at saying no. Yeah. And knowing who I am. So yeah, I just started writing about like a thousand words every day. I'd written this poem during, year was it, two years ago for International Women's Day, beginning of March, um, yeah. called She Is You. And it was... Put, you know, like a TFL always do those boards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then they always write a little poem. So it was put up there and it was like, she is strong, she is fierce, she is smart, she is tough, she is happy, she is sad, she is polished, she is rough, she is vulnerable, she is insecure, she doesn't always know what to do, but she learns, she grows, she's a force to be reckoned with. She is you. And I just wrote that on my phone, like on a, I was traveling one day on the tube yeah. and I ended up going up on the tube. So I ended up taking different things from that about like, because I'm being told you're this girl, you're the MTV girl, you're too MTV, you're, it's too cool to do ITV mainstream stuff. And then you're told, oh, as a single girl, until you're kind of a bit more family, you're not going to do this type of show. And then suddenly yeah. you have a child and then you're too old to do this type of show. And it's yeah. you're always told this is what you should do, always. Yeah. And or I'm this like, is what you that. can't do, like <laughs> yeah. really specifically. You can't do this. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, so I, I wrote this in a poem about, like, you can be strong, but you yeah. can also be vulnerable, and you can do this, and you can do that. So each chapter is a different line from that poem, and it, it talks about, you know, different things that, to do with being a female in the industry and things I've come across. To I always get I always get asked, like, how did you get such a thick skin? Like, how are you so resilient to stuff? And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. human, and it's okay to be upset by things, but it's about knowing what to be upset by, because... It's whose opinion it is and the people whose opinions matter and who know the actual truth are the ones that I care about. I care about my opinion. If I do a job and I'm proud of it, I'm happy. If I do a job and I'm not happy about it, then I'm really unhappy. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter if everyone else is saying, that was brilliant. If I'm not happy, that's a difference. So Completely agree. The the piece of not having to worry about public reaction or success if you're Mm. happy with it versus, again, Similarly, as we were saying, if you've been l- led down a route that wasn't naturally you and you've yeah. done it their way, yeah. then if You're it's unhappy. not popular or successful, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. If you've done it how you want you it wanted and to. it doesn't quite work, it's like it doesn't matter either way, really. You it's hit the nail wicked on the head. if it does, but mm. yeah, it's yeah. not It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And it's, and I had all these things in my head for things I've done before, which I wasn't happy about, for things I've done before that I was um, happy about. And I just wrote it all down. And that's kind of what the book is and it's been one of my favorite things I've ever done and the response has been lovely and I think it's really I think it it, it 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 really helps I think with any 
with any writing that has even an ounce of self-help vibe in it, mm. I think it's so important that you've approached it from, here's the things I've learned in my experience that help me, rather than, I've it's got the solution for everyone, no. I can figure this out, I've got it. It's like, no, this uh, might help. Hopefully you'll relate to some of this, but here's yeah. my experiences, you know, rather than any other grand, we've got the key to changing your life in, yeah. tens, no. in all this kind of It's like, no. I mean, I do. I, one of the lines is, I do not have my shit together at yeah. all. Like, that's one of the lines out, out of the book. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I actually I wrote it. an extra chapter for the paperback that's coming out just because it's been a year since the hardback came out. Yeah. And I was like, well, the world got worse, didn't it? Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, I, I brought out a book about positivity and the world just seems to really got worse. So I was like, you know, Russia yeah. invaded Ukraine, uh, COVID's still a thing, um, yeah. everyone's angry online. I'm really trying my best here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Help me yeah. out. It's n- never ended. Well, one of the things that gives me great joy, and I think Ian was surprised for me to, to bring this up, is Celebrity Gogglebox, man. I think it's such a fucking good show. Like, as we speak, tonight there's a new series that my mates Gus Khan and Jamali Maddox are on, who are two of my favourite people. I just worked with Jamali. I worked with Jamali recently. so amazing. I can't imagine him on... Anytime he gets a gig, my thought is, I can't imagine him on that show. So it's why it's so engaging and exciting to watch, because... Yeah, you know, ninety percent of the time he's going to go. Why am I here? But how how was that to do? How is it? It's it's got to be the most fun gig to get. Do you know, right? we did it kind of during lockdown, so we were home yeah. anyway. And like, yeah. I've we've always been really funny. It, it sounds weird because like, me and Ian are funny about working together because yeah. we kind of work together accidentally. Like Ian is the you know the best co- comic writer comedian out there. And he's the best person for that job. I know it's really strange. We've almost worked together before in the past. When I was hosting I'm a Celebrity, Rob Beckett was the comedian. And then he he left after three years. And I think yeah. Ian was down to the last three. I didn't know him then, but he was down to the last three to be on that show. Yeah. There were so many times that we almost met. So yeah. I, I kind of think individually it makes sense for both of us to do the job that we do. But I was like, I don't want to work with and there's something with my husband or my boyfriend because... Yeah. You want to kind of go home and get away from that? I completely understand that. I completely understand Which that. Most mad. people I know who are in the same industry as their partners, yeah. exactly that. It's like, if it happened, like, <laughs> I'm not going to nix it happening, but if it's avoidable, yeah. you know, or, yeah. it, or, or just it'd have to be the really, the right thing, Yeah, you know? And I had to, I remember when I got, I got asked to do the Winter Love Island. Like, no one told Ian. And I was like, I have to ask him first because it's his thing. Like, Love Island is his thing. Even yeah. though, I mean, he's a brilliant stand-up before. People forget yeah. that. Like, people think he does a voiceover guy. He's not a voiceover yeah. guy. No, he happen- he's a comedian who happens to do a voiceover. Yeah. But I remember asking him, I said, look, I've been asked to do this, but, like, this is your thing. I don't want... You know, it's it's like, imagine, like, you're... Suddenly your other half starts like, you know, coming into your office and like, hey, you don't work here. Go away. Why are you yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, that was a conversation that had to be had. And same with Gogglebox. But like, we're like, it's lockdown. And then it was Denise Van Eyten was doing it. And she was like, they give you so many snacks. She was like, do it for the snacks. Whatever you want, alcohol, whatever takeaway you want, they will give it to you. So I was like, Ian, listen to this. So uh, we're like, we'll have Indian tonight. Oh, we'll have a Chinese. Thank you. We'll have a pizza, extra large, margarita. Thank you. I love it. I love the things that will make you do stuff up for a job. I'm like, I could just pay for a takeaway myself, but it's so much better if the TV company pay for it. I remember that from touring. I remember being so excited if they if they put on good food. It's like other venues just paid us more. 
Yeah, and we get, could have got our own good own food. But, yeah, no one realised yeah. you actually pay for yeah, your rider. Yeah, so exactly. So, but it it it'd be hugely ex- exciting in these places. Like, hang on, this hasn't cost much at all. But it's the <laughs> idea that it's free. It's like you yeah. could have got an extra hundred quid yeah. on your fee at that gig. But it it's doesn't like, no, matter. No, no. It's the small but we got thing. Free food. And yeah, it was really. Yeah. Isn't it funny? But that's yeah. That was one of my favourite things. I love that. I love it. I love it. Well. I want to ask what's ahead, but before I do, I want to ask your perspective of being a Twitch widow, of of, of having a partner that regularly disappears off into a little room to play to his, work. To his work. silly computer games with his silly little online mates. I'm the other side of that. I'm 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 a Twitch streamer as well, so I know. But it's it's addictive, man. And I, and again, it is. It's that it's work because you've yeah. got subscribers and because you. I'm you like, know. babes, if you monetize it, do it. Do you do you? <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you know what? I don't fully get it, but it brings him so much joy when he goes into. We have our own office. It's yeah. the reason that we survive lockdown. We have our own Brilliant. office. Like this is my office. He's next door. Yeah. The rooms are not soundproof, so if yeah. he's ever, you can tell he's not in the house today because you'd hear him. Yeah. Um. But he'd go in there for three hours and then he'd come out and the joy, he's like a yeah. new man. I'm, and I remember talking to my friend who's also a Twitch widow and, and she was like, I'm so jealous. Like she goes, I need something in my life that brings me the same joy. I would say maybe the Real Housewives or Selling Sunset gives me that little bit of that joy, a little bit yeah. guilty pleasure. But yeah. n- we don't get the same joy from anything. And yeah. I mean, I've tried this. It's just not. It's just not for me. I love it. It's it's the weird thing of because it's it is it it's would be the, the equivalent would be you enjoying many of the various housewives yeah. franchises, yeah. but with a load of people w- watching. watching you enjoy it and enjoying yeah. you enjoy it and it's throwing things in. Box. It's basically like, yeah, Gogglebox. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's Gogglebox for computer games. I also I also <laughs> forgot during right. during lockdown because during lockdown I continued doing radio every week um, yeah. from home. I was writing the book, so I had all these things going on. And I actually just totally mm. forgot, as a stand-up, yeah. Ian, we both perform, but in different ways. Ian is always constantly performing, even if it's just doing a new material night. So he wasn't getting that outlet. So I think mm-hmm. he w- would slowly go insane. So I think that was his performance. That was kind of scratching that itch. Um, yeah. So I think for his sanity and mine, I'm very, very thankful for Twitch. It's a perfect uh, a balance. So it's... So what is ahead? Is there anything new that you're excited about or can talk yeah. about? Or is there anything that's kind of on your list that you want to get around to doing? There's lots what, of things I, w- I want to do. There's so many things. And I'm really excited because one thing I've been working on for years, which is a particular type of TV series, yeah. has been commissioned. And that, it's, it's, very, it's different. And I've started working on that. And then after Love Island, I'll, I'll do a bit more for the end of the year. And that I've been working at for a long time. And I'm really proud of myself for, for getting this far and it, yeah. and for for you know commissioners and production companies to believe in it because sometimes when you do something that's a, li- a little bit out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. um so that I'm excited about I'm going to continue writing um more coming that way and more podcasting because I love podcasts I love it I love it well I'm excited for all that's ahead and I appreciate you taking the time as said oh, I, it was you. It was a joy how easy this was for both of us to set up. We've just oh, both like, if only are you about on Friday? Like this, yeah, all life. right, let's do it Friday. Easy. Um, thank you for having me. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm a big fan. You, you're, this podcast has come up a lot. I've talked about it a lot. So it's a real honour to, to be on it. I love it. I appreciate that. It's been gr- great having you on. Thank you.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Laura Whitmore. I thoroughly encourage you to devour everything that they offer. I said author. I said like it was like it was like otter, but with an H. When one I wanted to say was offer. Um, whether it be books, podcasts, or TV shows, um, they're a thoroughly good egg, and I can't recommend everything they're uh, they're putting out enough. Um, I'm really glad. We got to have a chat. It was an absolute breeze, as you will have heard. So, yeah, I'll be back next week with more podcasting goodness. Always. It's it's the constant in your lives at this point, isn't it? Am I right? It's the constant in your lives now. Every At least one Distraction Pieces podcast a week for, what, eight years now? Jeez. I've had a lot of people delving into the back catalogue again recently, so I always recommend that. There's some really good political conversations in there whether it be with um akala or loki or numerous other people rutger bregman that that definitely warrant second visits in these increasingly strange times and there'll be a political one next week actually comedy and, and, and politics being served up next week but you'll have to wait till then to find out about that anyway as ever i have been scroobius pip This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. Until next week, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.